0: Welcome back to 4th and Forever. I'm your host, Mark Sanchez, with one of my favorite people, former teammates, favorite athletes of all time. Happy Father's Day, Reg. you, buddy. I appreciate
1: it. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that, man. Same to you. Thank
0: you for taking the time. Thank you very much. <laughs> I know being a dad has changed you. It's changed your life, changed mine a ton. Mm-hmm. I got to read three of these stats. I want you to replay this for your kids. If they ever think their dad wasn't an absolute baller, <laughs> remind them. Until Joe Burrow, you had the highest percentage possible voting points for the Heisman Trophy at 91.8. Burrow edged you out with 93.8. But until Burrow, you had the highest number of votes, okay? Then you became the third person on the planet, that is planet Earth, (laughs) to win a Heisman, win a college football national championship, and a Super Bowl with the New Orleans Saints.
1: Pretty incredible.
0: I didn't know that. Then, I don't know if you knew this, but I was keeping track for you as your PR guy. That, in the NFL, they said Reggie Bush is not an every down back. But then you go out and rush for a thousand yards, not once, but twice, with two mm-hmm. different organizations, uh, with the Dolphins and uh, Detroit Detroit Lions. Yeah, man. How about that, man? man? I, appreciate I mean, guys, that, man. we got some you're in rarefied air, buddy. Yeah, you didn't even know that stuff. See, that's what we do know on that. this show.
1: I didn't know that, man. I appreciate that. That was pretty cool. I'm gonna make sure my kids know that too.
0: <laughs> they better know that. Um, but tell me, tell me about your kids. How has being a dad changed you? I know we just had Father's Day. What'd you guys do? I know yeah. it's been a little different with COVID and all that, but uh, yeah. give me, your, give me one of your favorite dad
1: moments. Well, yesterday we spent some time with uh, my dad. Uh, my dad came down and um, he got a chance to hang out with my kids and. We went out to eat, Uh, took him out. I took my dad out to breakfast uh, earlier. And then my wife actually was hiking uh, in the morning with my kids. And so after I took my dad to breakfast and then my wife came back with our kids, uh, we hung out at the house and uh, my dad played with my kids for a little bit. It was really laid back. Obviously, there's not a whole lot to do right now, you know, other than going to the park, maybe into the beach uh, and golfing. Uh, but it's not a whole lot of activities, you know, for kids to do right now. So um, it, it wasn't. It was fun, and it was just, you know, more family oriented. You asked for one of my favorite dad moments. Yeah. Uh, from yesterday or just in general? Just in general. New, new One of day. my favorites was
0: you <laughs> You went on a rant that I loved about your kids before bedtime and all the yeah, excuses oh. they make <laughs> why they can't go to bed. <laughs> Whether God. it's something like that, something fun, something serious, or a teachable yeah, yeah. moment that
1: you've had with your kids. You know, night-night time is like every kid's worst nightmare. Uh, none of yeah. them want to go to sleep. Uh, they all hate it. And I think every kid got together. And they came up with, like, what's the best way we can stress our parents out at night-night time? <laughs> and I think they all came up with that perfect, uh, perfect thing. You know, my kids give me something new every day, though. You know, I love them to death. And, you know, it's, that's that's why uh, I appreciate every opportunity with my kids every day. Uh, because, one, you never know uh, when our last day is going to be here on Earth. And, for two, um, there's just, every day, is just, they, they they wake up with new energy, right? And they wake up with this kind of this refresh mentality to 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 uh to go out and attack today, go have fun. They give me something new every day, man, and it's uh it's it's a lot of fun because I'm learning every day from my kids. And and I think that's what I try to remember um, you know, all the time is just how much they're teaching me. No doubt.
0: I love that. Yeah, my kids notorious for uh, leaving something in the bathroom or in my yeah. room, whether it's like his little stuffed animal or something. And right as I'm giving him the goodnight kiss, oh, Dada, uh, you know, I, forgot, uh, I forgot Chase from Paw Patrol or I forgot you know, Rubble from Paw Patrol. And I'm like, well, where is he? Yeah. Oh, he's downstairs in the truck. I'm like, of course he is. Like, yeah. go get it, hurry up. <laughs> you know, and now it's an adventure. So we're on the same page. What, mm-hmm. uh, what about this notion of a lot of players, former players, not letting their kids play football? Would you be in favor of your kids playing football? Yes or no? And then are you letting them do the full tackle? Uh, is it more of a flag football thing? Give me your take on that.
1: I'm allowing my kids to do whatever is they wanna do. If they wanna play football, they can play football. I don't wanna try to you know, hold them back uh, for, from whatever their purpose or their calling is. Cause I really don't know what that is for them. Uh, only they can figure out what their purpose is and where their true passion lies. And so, you know, I don't wanna hold them back from, from those things they really want to play football, then I'm going to be their coach. I'm going to be their their workout coach. I'm going to be their, their, you know, whatever it is. uh, But at the same time, I'm going to make sure that they know and understand all the risks that come along with playing this game, because you're putting your body at risk. Uh, You're putting your brain at risk. Um, You know, you're putting your livelihood at risk uh, when you step on that football field. And as you know, Mark, it's a sport for grown men. Um, And you start as a young kid, and as you grow into the sport, You know, you just start to see um, how the athletes get bigger, stronger, and faster at each level, right? And I'm going to make sure my kids understand, you know, every single part of, you know, this game uh, of football. But I do have one requirement from my kids. If they play Uh football, they have to play quarterback. They are not allowed to play any other (laughs) position. (laughs) Okay, then the most important question.
0: The most important question. Are you going to let Matt Leiner coach them or Mark Sanchez coach them? <laughs> I'm going
1: to let y'all both coach them. The and I'm politician, like... <laughs> Reggie Bush. Wow. Can't no, get but a serious answer out I'm of him, dead serious. slippery. I'm dead serious about that position. They have to play quarterback. They're not allowed to play <laughs> any other position because that's the position where you're going to have the most leverage. You know what I'm saying? And sure. so I would never want my kids to play running back. Um, If I could go back, I probably would have played quarterback. I probably would have been like a Lamar Jackson, you know, type of player. But I want my kids also to be in a position where they're in control. um, They're required to be a leader. um, They're, you know, a lot is demanded for them because I know they'll be able to handle that. And I'll be able to put them in the right position um, to, to be able to handle that.
0: You talked about the quarterback position. you got to be a leader. This is going to segue right into what were your first impressions of me? I have some first impressions of you when I first got to USC. You're to be completely candid are one of the reasons I decided to go to SC because they were recruiting Uh players like you. I got to watch you on TV locally and I was just like, oh my God, this this is where I got to be. I want to be like Carson. I want to be like Matt Leinart. I want to play with guys Mm -hmm. like Reggie, with Lendell, with all these superstars that USC brought to the the school. If you can remember back to my freshman year, which would have been your Heisman year, 2005, do you have any first impressions of me, hotshot quarterback coming out of Orange County? Go ahead, tell everybody. What you um
1: honestly, I, I thought you as a player, when I watched you on the field, I thought you had great mechanics. Um, I still remember the way that when you drop back and when you step into your throws, I thought you had great mechanics and I thought it looked good. You know, Appreciate you can't that. you can't say that for a lot of quarterbacks, right? Like you gotta sure. there's there's a style, you know, that every quarterback has and they bring to the game. And you know, some of it works, some of it doesn't work. But I thought you had mechanics that told me that you were coached well. But even, sure. you know, at every level, you know, whenever I watched you and I watched your presence in the pocket, I always thought it was elite. And I always thought it was NFL ready. Um, I appreciate it, at it, every that. level, man. So th- honestly, those are um, my first impressions of you when I saw you the player. Now, you the person. Now, nah, we got to talk about that man. <laughs> because I don't know, bro. I, I don't want to get into all that. I just
0: said as a player. <laughs> Yeah, I was a little goofy, a little quirky, fine. Go ahead. Tell as a person. I mean, I was hilarious. I was witty. I fit right in. I had beautiful hair. Go ahead, <laughs> say all those good things. No, you ahead, you, were, you it, were
1: like you were like every other freshman. You know what I mean? You were you know you were trying to figure it, <laughs> figure it out. Um, you know, you, you probably thought you knew it all, you know what I mean, because you got coached well. And um, you know, we had to I'm sure the defense humbled you a couple times, very similar to the way they humbled me my my freshman year sure, a few sure. times. That's what made us great, though. You know what I mean? It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what program or what coaches you had. You were going to get humbled when you came through USC at some point in time. But also in that moment, you were going to grow and you were going to learn and you were going to become a man. You know, that's what I saw for all of us. You know, I saw that you know, I love for that. Every, you know, everybody that came through the program, and it didn't start with us. You know, a lot of people think it started with us. It actually started a year before I got there with Carson and with Troy Polamalu, and, you know, with all that team when they beat Iowa um, in, the, in the Orange Bowl. You know, that's where I committed because I saw that game and I was like, damn, I want to be a part of that. I want to be like Carson. I want to be like Justin Fargus and Sutan and, and Kareem, Kareem Kelly and, and Kerry Coburn and all these guys. Um, so for the same reasons you committed, the same reason I did.
0: You got to get humbled, you know? And so there's um, a little known story about this beautiful Mm -hmm. head of hair that I came into school with. And um, (laughs) I remember in freshman camp, I went out to practice one day and my dad's like, whoa, what happened to your head? (laughs) What did happen to my head, Reggie? What, you and Frosty?
1: And Matt, it was, Snake Liner. Listen, man, we we had, to, we had to make sure. First of all, your hair looked crazy. You looked like you was a, a <laughs> Spartan soldier from 300 uh, with your hair like that, man. We had to give you some Can you style. see the clip? You no Can you style. see it? What do you expect? Oh,
0: yeah, I my see. It. I'm God. looking right at it. Look at that. Fresh start. <laughs> thought, God, look at that. Beautiful with the, the movie headband. 300.
1: <laughs> he thought he was in the movie 300.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Well, i just also like to put out, there was a... Um, there was a group of people who thought I was actually crying when my hair was being shaved. Uh, I would like to oh. uh, set the record straight here and remind <laughs> people that these were unsanitary clippers. They were rusty. They were pulling <laughs> at the hair follicle down to the root. And much like oh when you pull God. out a nose hair, it made my eyes water a little bit. Okay? You look like, you look so like Greg Carlson right there. There. You look like GC. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was necessary. I think all that kind of stuff is great because it was done and fun. It was done to remind everybody, like you said, I think you said it perfectly that no matter where you came from, no matter what you represent coming in, hey, we all start from square one here. We're all Trojans yeah. first. Let's build this bond as a team. And that's what made that school so great. And as- Yeah that has to happen somebody has to lead all that and you know obviously it was coach carroll something about him made me gravitate towards that school it was different than any other coach i talked to it was um something special and we all know him as a guy who's like spinning a basketball chewing bubblegum talking to a recruit and hitting a baseball at the same time like you don't know how he does it but he does it what was like the coach carroll story that sticks out to you whether it's in recruiting while you're playing what what about coach carroll made that team so special
1: I think it's just his per- his personality. I think it's his character. Um, I-, I haven't seen coaches or anybody replicate, you know, uh, what Coach Carroll, you know, brings to the game. And I think that's why it's special because um, you can't duplicate, you know, what he does and what he brings to the game. His energy is just different. He's always, his energy is always up, you know, even in the, in the bad games, you know, times where we, either had some bad plays or we lost the game, whatever it was, his energy, he was always the same person. Guys fed off of his energy. So I think when you have a coach with a young mentality, um, he was a player's coach. Guys loved to, you know, be around him. He was always playing tricks on us and he was always, you know, taking us places and we were having fun. And so it made football a little less stressful because football in itself is already a very stressful sport. And when you have coaches who can add, you know, the fun factor to it, um, you know, guys, you know, appreciate that. And I think guys, um, see that and they appreciate it and it makes them want to go out and give 110%. And it also, you know, builds character within a team too, because if your coach is fun and easygoing, well, guess what? The rest of the team is going to be like that. And then if you also at the same time are able to demand accountability, um, demanding work ethic, you know, demanding respect you know, in and amongst the whole team and coaches, and you're also creating a very, very highly competitive environment, that's a recipe for success.
0: Coach Carroll, something he told you during recruiting, anything he uh, tried to remind you while you were playing. For me, there were a couple things. One, in the, in the Rose Bowl, uh, I ended up starting in against Penn State. He grabbed me in like the third mm. quarter and during a crucial third down and just pulled me away from Sark. You know, we called a timeout, decided what to do on third and three. Are we going to run it? Are we going to throw it? Are we going to roll out, play action, whatever? We're in the middle of this discussion during a timeout, and he just pulls me away, and he's like, is this great or what? This is everything I told you Mm -hmm. when you were 18 years old. You'd be the starting quarterback in the Rose Bowl at USC. Look around, man. This is awesome. And I'm like, coach, you are nuts. We got to go convert a third down. I need you to shut up. I got to go figure out what's going on here. And in that moment, I couldn't get where he was, right? I couldn't grasp it because I was so in that moment. But he had this ability to be able to see the bird's eye view and be right there in the mix.
1: You know, the one thing that I used to love that we did as a team was you know, we we just like even on the sidelines, like it could be, um, you know, we just scored a touchdown, or and you know sometimes they still do it. We just you just see a big mosh pit on the sideline, all our, hands all on our deck, teammates, all hands on deck, and everybody just going crazy. You know what I mean? And all the guys right there on the field, um, and that and that was us kind of just you know celebrating and and enjoying the moment, right? And so when people see that, you know. If you don't understand the culture, you might take that as arrogance and you might look at that sure. as, oh, who do they think they are? Or, you know, who do they, you know, think they are to be able to act that way right now in the middle of a game? But that's us taking in the moment. That's us enjoying every step of the way in that game, every play. You know what I, you know what I mean? And and to me, when, when we did things like that, because we didn't just do that. Uh, at games. We also did that in meeting rooms. Um, <laughs> right. We did that. in was who the team was, practices. Yeah. You know, that's just who we were. That was not something we were trying to sell to the TV. We weren't trying to do it just because we were in a big game. Um, like I said, we were in meeting rooms where we literally destroyed the whole team meeting room. And I was like, man, somebody is about to get fired over this because there's a lot of broken tables in here. Uh, you know what I mean? Like things got broken, you know, in team meeting rooms. But if you think about that now, like no, no coach would ever allow something like that to happen, because they would be too afraid of, you know, just whatever would happen, whatever might come out from that. But during that time period, you know, when I look back on those kinds of things, those those moments that we had, where we were building our chemistry, we were building character, we were also um, growing tighter. Uh, closer and closer together, um, you know, that's why we were unbeatable pretty much for most of the years I was there because we had each other's backs in every situation and we knew exactly what we were getting out of each man. And I knew exactly what I was getting out of my linemen, the linebackers, the safeties, receivers. Like, I knew what I was getting out of everybody. And we knew we mashed all that up together. and We put it, you know, in the right direction. Nobody could beat us. Looking back one more
0: time to your favorite... Plays at USC, two come to mind right away if there's another one for you. Uh, But the flip Mm -hmm. against UCLA, I remember watching on TV. And then the the behind-the-back Fresno State, I got to see in person. Like your entire 2005 Heisman campaign, I got to watch from a pretty good seat (laughs) on the sidelines and was just blown away with the whole
1: thing. Here's the thing about that play, man. First thing, I think that was the play that kind of put me on the map. That was my freshman year. And uh, that was one of the longer runs that I had that really kind of showed people, you know, really who I was. I actually almost dropped the ball when I was switching it in my hand. You see, like, the ball was really low. And so thankfully, there was nobody coming from behind me on my left to strip it because that would have been a fumble. Uh, And so then (laughs) as I'm going down the sideline, DJ makes a great block, knocks a guy out um, behind me. And all I got is one guy to beat. And so after I beat him, I feel somebody clip my heels. And that's when I dove in the air because I thought I was about to get tackled. And that was the guy, you know, you saw when I, when I cut back, it was a guy that kind of clipped yeah. my heels and I just dove. And I'll be honest with you, I was not planning to do a flip. It just happened. And I just happened to tuck and roll with it. That's any, pretty any, athletic. Any of the other I don't guys know if I did. <laughs> <laughs> I have been making cutback moves like that since I, was a, and since I was nine years old, honestly. And I'll tell you how it started because when I first started playing football, um I fell in love with it right away and I fell in love with just the craft of of wanting to be great. And so my my first year I was 9 years old and I would get the football, I didn't want anybody to touch me. So I was, you know, really running away from people because not cuz I didn't want to get tackled, just cuz I didn't want them to touch me. And so as I started to get better and better at Not, you know, allowing people to touch me, (laughs) I started making people, you know, look more and more stupid. (laughs) And, um, you know, that that was something I have been doing, honestly, since I was nine years old. And I can show you videos and clips of and it it obviously it looked a lot more unathletic when I was nine. You know, it looked like a baby deer um, first learning how to walk. And then, you know, as you get older and older, you know, you just get better and better at it.
0: You're going to have to use those moves when uh, life gets back to normal out in the streets. People coming for pictures and stuff. Just ah, ah COVID. <laughs> no thanks. Ah. <laughs> just dodging people.
1: <laughs> I got to teach my sons those moves now.
0: Exactly, bro. You got to show them that. Um, if they need yep. any help, obviously call me first. We talk about um, the, not just the style of play, but but the way players are today and social media, how has that changed players? Um, talk about the, the new legislative um, measures that are put in place for name, image, and likeness. For example, a guy yeah. like Trevor Lawrence, right? This guy can yep. make $100,000 this year if he wants just on you know, posting stuff on his social media. Yeah. And let me preface, preface this too with, I don't think anybody has a problem with the gold medal swimmer uh, you know, the gold medal soccer player that wants to host a summer camp and charge people $100 and has, you know, 50 people come to their summer camp and they want to promote it on their social social media. I don't think people have an issue with that, right? They should be able to do mm-hmm. that. I'm assuming you agree with that.
1: Yep, yep, I I, uh, I agree.
0: And then now when you talk about players being able to make hundreds of thousands of dollars and then that's when people start you know, kind of, you start turning heads a little bit and rubbing people the wrong way, like, oh, well, now they're not student mm-hmm. athletes, or now they're not this. They're professionals, this, that, and the other. I'd like to get your take on just the name, image, and likeness scenario. Yeah. Could you have played in a in a um, forum like this? Because, you know, I heard Colin Coward say it, but you and Tebow. I don't know if anybody would have made more money in college football Mm -hmm. based on their name, image, and likeness, which you can't control that from somebody. Like an institution shouldn't be able to take that away from you. So uh, what do you think about social media, this name, image, and likeness? Just give me your thoughts on it in the current climate.
1: Well, when I hear people say um, anything negative about kids being able to uh, monetize and benefit off of their own uh, name, off their own... Uh, likeness and of their own image, um, you know, I laugh because those are people who don't truly understand, um, you know, just how college sports works. Because without the players, the sport doesn't exist. Um, and that's first and foremost. You know, we can say, um, you know, that there's the, the universities provide, you know, this and that and there's TV concerts. Sure. None of that exists without the players first, right? And so the thing about the human body, right? When these athletes are, are starting to peak, right? When we started to peak, we were around nineteen twenty. I made a significant uh, leap in my physical, you know, build um, and also mentally as well from my freshman year to my sophomore year. It was a huge jump, huge jump, True. right? And and that's you know again even as a freshman as we watched one of those runs, um, I was still I think I was probably maybe 185 pounds, you know what I mean. Once I left USC, I think I was about 208, um, and that's a big difference, you know what I mean for huge difference for a running back. That's a huge difference, right? And so I'm you know you have athletes who are making these significant jumps. You know again around 19, 20, 21 years old, and that's when they're in their prime, right? And 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 so. The thing that I always come back to is, um, in no other form of work, and literally no other form of work, you know, do you sign a contract and that company literally owns you. They own everything about right. you. They can sell everything about you. They can sell bobbleheads, you know, all these different things, and you don't get a dime of that. You know what I mean? You get back a scholarship, you know, uh, uh, you, know you get back a scholarship, which when you match those two up, you know, the, 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 the return on that scholarship, right, that, that um, the university could get is millions and millions of dollars, right? And, and so what you could get back versus what you're dishing out is, is a significant gap in between there. Right, and they so don't add up. They, it just doesn't add up, you know, and, it, and it's not fair because there's a lot of families that are being hamstringed, um, you know, for a couple more years you know, while they wait, you know, hoping that their son uh, or their daughter is going to make it to the next level, right? And, and we know that uh, very few players um, from each team, from each university get drafted, right? Um, and even right. if you do get drafted, you're not guaranteed to have a long career. Um, and Correct. so a lot of times, you, know, you think about Tom Brady who, you know, got drafted later. You think about some of these other players who go undrafted. Um, you know, it's tough. Right. But the one thing that you should be, I think the one thing you should always be rewarded for is going to college. Because for people like me and people who come from the inner city and people who come from worse situations than I did, um, this is an opportunity of a lifetime for them to change their life and for them to change uh, their family's lives and to be able to provide for their family. So if you go to USC, you should be rewarded for that. You know what I mean? You should be rewarded for going to a prestigious university. You should be rewarded for going to, you know, these different colleges because, um, you know, this is an opportunity for you to change your life and to build on your brand and to build on, you know, um, you know your resume. But this is a thing that I always that I think is the biggest misconception about, you know, collegiate athletes is when you go to college, and you get the scholarship. Um, you're good. Like, everything about your life is good. You have nothing else to complain about. You have no more worries. You have no issues because you're going to college. You know what I mean? You're going to do something that I didn't get a chance to do. So what what are you complaining about? You know what I mean? Or what do you have to, you know, um, to worry about? But I think it's quite the opposite. I think that's when the pressure turns up. Because for a lot of young kids, coming from nothing this is their opportunity to to change their life and to change their family's life. And you got to think about how much pressure that is, you know, for a young kid, right? For a young black kid who's coming from nothing. And for most of these kids who get scholarships, um, they are looked at as um, the savior of the family. They're looked at as the one who is going to take that family to a better life, to a better place, right? And so what I'm saying is that College shouldn't be the place that hamstrings you. It should be the place um, where you're rewarded because you now have an opportunity to go and do something that your family never did, that nobody in your family ever got a chance to. So I think you got to put it. I think you got to put it in context because it's 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 bigger than just saying, oh well, now that we're rewarding, you know, allowing kids to make money off their name, image, and likeness, now it's the wild, wild west. You know what I mean? Now it's just going right. to be chaos and this and no, it's not going to be chaos. Because now you're going to allow families to eat a little bit better at a much earlier rate. You're going you're gonna to allow families to be able to, um, you know, just enjoy a little bit better, right? And, and isn't that what life is about, right? Isn't that what, of course. you know, going to, you know, college should be about is this is opportunity for you to build. And so if a university is going to make millions off of you, I should be able to make some money off
0: of me, too. I agree with that. Great, strong points, Reg. I think in line with what you've just said is there's so much information about this stuff. One, people who don't know should be educated uh, on what exactly name, image, and likeness is, how that works, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. What I can Mm -hmm. see now projecting forward is a school like USC, Texas, Alabama, the big blue bloods of college football is guaranteeing these young prospects, hey, I can get you an appearance or this Mm -hmm. many appearances for this amount of money, almost upfront, right? Like guaranteeing in the recruiting process, like this is what we can do. And the boosters can get together and say, hey, come to my golf tournament, come speak at our dinner, tell us what it's like to play for Alabama or whoever. And you can make anywhere from 10 to 30 grand. Do you think that guy in the locker room is gonna have trouble with the other guys in the locker room who don't get to do that? Or do you equate it to the NFL? Because some guys get marketing deals, some guys don't. How do you think that? Do you think the kids are well, old enough at 19, 20 to understand that? You know, listen. <laughs>
1: this is the funny thing about you know co- college is on one side, people expect you to be an adult, right? On one side, people <laughs> are like, "No, you're an adult now. You should be, you know, uh, making adult decisions and and you know doing adult things." And and then on like the other side, they are like, "But if you get the money, then." We don't know. We don't fully trust you yet. We're not sure if you can handle it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's sure you, 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 you can't you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, um, what you're doing is, again, like I said, you're giving young kids an opportunity to better their life. You know, and, and that's all it's and that's all it's about. You're giving young kids an opportunity to better their life. It shouldn't be, well, there's going to be jealousy or, well, there's going to be, there's already jealousy in the locker room. It's competition. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, guys are competing. The college is not the last stop. Nobody's going to college thinking that, oh, this is my final stop in life. You know what I mean? People are going exactly there right. to improve on their life. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, you can't say on one end that, you know, we expect you to be adults. We expect you to do adult things. But once you get money, whoo. I don't know about that. You know what I mean? because that <laughs> is right. where it gets ugly. And what that really sounds like is, you know, a bunch of people who are trying to make millions and millions of dollars off of young kids and and telling them that, you know, you're not ready yet. And and that's unfair right. because you're doing right it at the most vulnerable time. And you're doing it at the time where they should be able to start to understand and learn how to buy a house you shouldn't learn how to buy a house when you're first trying to buy a house you know what i mean you should be <laughs> learning in college yeah. how to um invest into the stock market how to invest in the real estate you know why is you know why what is the difference between investing in the business and investing in real estate how can you lower your taxes through all those different things because That is exactly what the universities are doing. They're taking the money that they make off of you, off of us, and they're investing that into business. They're investing that into real estate and they're investing that into all these things and they're seeing a return off of that money they're investing, right? So why aren't we getting a piece of that? Is all I'm saying. I love that. And
0: this brings us to one of our final segments. Reg, I got to ask who wore it best with the name, image, and likeness going on. Listen. The video game's coming back, Reg. Look at your boy here. I'm trying to get it out of I the like glare. I like it. Look it.
1: Look it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's keep it up real quick. I okay? keep this in my because... wallet. I right, keep this no, in my wallet. Let's... It
0: unfolds at any time. I carry it around with me at all times. I'm sure you do too. Who wore it better? Was yours better or was mine better? We're going to show you a picture of yours. I feel like because your old pixelated ass didn't look as good <laughs> on your cover, mine gets the winning vote. <laughs> Can we show the
1: Reggie yeah. one? Oh my God, I can't was, even see that. It looks like, like Minecraft. A little nasty. And was like a little nasty. They still oh, were, you know, trying to figure out this whole uh, high oh, definition God. thing so nice, and uh, this clarity thing. Yours just, mm. yeah, yours just looks better for sure. Yeah. Hey, but yeah. let me say this okay. though. All right, you remember I was talking about your presence <laughs> in the pocket? Look at you got the ball high, Ooh, right where it's supposed yeah. to be. Mm. I broke it down for you, man. I got you figured <sighs> out. I know. I know who you are. My dog
0: my dog okay last thing uh last thing nfl but you got wise, that ugly with, you
1: got that ugly ass
0: knee brace on there though that's the only thing chill out that was a school thing everybody <laughs> had to wear the knee that brace you know how ugly. it went that's where you lose. i took it out for the rose bowl i took it off for the rose bowl I'm you lose 100 out, so right. points for that nasty. knee brace
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: dang um okay Four Corona stuff going on. You see these guys having their camps locally. You got Darnold going out to Florida. You see somebody filming Tom Brady with a drone, uh, drone at his, you know, some practice facility at a high school in Tampa. If you're in the locker room right now, number one, I mean, are you, as if you were still a player today, are you playing? Are you good? Like what's going on?
1: At the end of the day, it's always, it's always about health, right? Has right? to be about health and safety first, right? And so if I'm a player, and I know that we have things in place that are going to keep me and my teammates and our coaches safe and healthy. Sign me up. Let's go play. Let's go, you know what I mean? If we got to have less fans in the stands, if we got to have no fans in the stands. I really don't care because I'm going out there and I got one job to do. And that's to, you know, to, to be victorious at the end of the day. Um, you know, so football is football. And, and guys, I believe probably most of the guys feel that same way. You know, most of the guys... Um, you know, want to play football. You know, and listen. At the end of the day, a lot of the guys, a lot of those guys, need that paycheck too. You know, so we can't forget no that God. as well. While we, you know, view football and the NFL as a form of entertainment, which it is, it's also a way for a lot of young men to make a, a you know, make a living. It's a lot. Of, it's a way for, you know, them to provide for their families and and for you know, all these other things that they do in the communities as well. So we got to remember that as well. There's a lot of guys that need those paychecks. Um, and if they can play, if they're going to be healthy, man, let's go. Totally agree with what you just said. Uh, The
0: Chiefs 49ers, we know who's kind of at the top, the upper echelon of the NFL from last year. You played on two different teams in the AFC East. Is the AFC East wide open because Tom Brady's gone? Does New England still have a foothold? Give me your take. Is it the Bills? Is it the Dolphins? Who's who's making a real push Um, for for that? It's
1: definitely not the Patriots this year unless – Okay, I I, th- I think they should go get Cam Newton. Um, you know, call me Ooh. crazy, but it's just like, well, why wouldn't you? You know, he's the best available option sitting out there. Um, I see his Instagram feeds. Dude works his butt off. You know, day in and day out. Would you take and him? You know can... Would you take him or Kaepernick right now? I would take him. He's the most closely removed, but that doesn't mean that Cap can't yeah. okay. um, can't still do it. It's just Cap hasn't played for four years. So you don't know yeah. what you're getting. I know what I'm getting out of Cameron Newton. I know also he's going to have a, a huge, tremendous chip on his shoulder. Because if you True. bring him to New England, one, he's already going to have a chip on his shoulder because he's going to want to prove that he's not a bust and that he can still do it. And two, he's going to be coming right after Tom Brady. So he's going to want to perform... He's going to perform as well or try to outperform, you know, what Tom Brady did. You know, you got to, you know, to me, it just makes sense. Um, I just don't know. Is Belichick ready for that style of a quarterback? Um, I think sure. Cam Newton was a little bit before his time because had he come out now with the way that. We oh, see my quarterbacks God. 100 percent agree. Like Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? We though, even Deshaun Watson. Um, I think Cam Newton would be in a much different position. He is a dual-threat quarterback. Everybody knows that they just never, you know, they never truly immersed into, I think, into uh, who Cam Newton was. I think they played around with it a little bit and, you know, they use it as gadget plays, but I don't think they really allow Cam Newton to be Cam Newton. You know, he got injured and he got beat up, and that comes with the territory. That's the other side of being a dual-threat quarterback. Of playing like that. I think, yep. yeah, I think we're going to see more of that, I think we're gonna see more quarterbacks now start to fade out, you know, true dual threat quarterbacks start to fade out like running backs, you know what I mean? Because, you know, by year 11, 12, you know, that wear and tear, it, it, I've been saying it all, as long as I was on TV, Cam Newton plays like a running back. If you play like a running back, you're gonna suffer the consequences of a running back. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, I can't imagine trying to throw a football after you know I just went down the middle, on like that, yeah. You know, on Ray <laughs> Lewis or 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 you know Troy Polamalu or you know all these guys. Like I can't imagine trying to go back and throw a football after that. You know, after hitting these guys in the <laughs> hole. So that's what happened to Cam Newton. That wear and tear caught up to him. Um, and again, it doesn't matter how big you are. The NFL is a violent game for grown men, yep. and it's not for the weak. It's not. It's not the same basketball. The same soccer. This is for grown men, and it it will eat away at you slowly but surely if you play the game at a physical, you know, like a physical
0: running back. No doubt, you're talking about the last of a dying breed. These pocket quarterbacks, Tom Brady, yeah. maybe one of the best of all time, but that style is ancient almost. It feels ancient. like, it, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's just it it doesn't equate nowadays. Like you said, these quarterbacks are coming yeah. in. They're different types of athletes.
1: Patrick Mahomes. You know, he dislocated he his knee. He can move, but he also dislocated his knee. You know what I mean? And, yep. you know, that happened. Nobody knew how he was going to come back from that. But that's sure. a scary situation for a quarterback, you know, when you go through something like that. And I just, as much as I love Lamar Jackson and I love Patrick Mahomes and I love Deshaun Watson because I think they're, they're changing the game, I'm also scared because they ain't taking <laughs> a lot of hits.
0: <laughs> no, no. A lot of
1: hits. Deshaun Watson is getting lit up. We're saying Tom Brady,
0: last of a dying breed. Do they have a shot? Are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in Reggie Bush's mind, are they Super Bowl contenders?
1: Uh, I think they have a shot because if you look at what Jameis Winston did last year, uh, which a lot of people look at the bad, uh, which, okay, yeah, he threw 30 interceptions. But he also threw 5,000 yards in that offense. He also. <laughs> well, threw just ask him. Touchdowns. He said, you
0: know I'm balling. Or what did he say? He said, I'm balling.
1: <laughs> he also threw it. 30 touchdowns while throwing 30 interceptions, which is unheard of, right? That's literally That's like lot. one of the. It's, it's unheard of, man, is to, to be able to do something like that. And so to me, I'm looking at, let's say Jameis went, or let's say Tom Brady just, or yeah, Tom Brady just goes in there and protects the football, right? They're already, right. you know, that already puts them in a conversation for winning the division just by protecting the sure. football. I, yes, I think they have a great shot, um, you know, and obviously, you know, what the Northern Saints have been going through, you know, uh, so far. You know, with everything surrounding social injustice and Drew's comments, um, you know, this is going to be a, a tough year, you know, I think for the Saints, you know, not to say that they can't get it done. But I think they're, they're bringing baggage into the season. And, um, you know, you've been, we've, I've been on teams before where uh, things have happened that are out of your control or somebody says something or whatever it is and the team has to answer questions about that all season long. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. um, you know, the second you have a bad play or you don't play well in that game, guess what they're going to be asking you about? You know what I mean? They're not going to be asking you right. about you know the no, the, they're the not asking about the play, they're, yeah. They're going to try <laughs> yeah. to be divisive and they're going to try to figure yeah. out what is come, what is the root of these issues of why you guys are winning or yeah. aren't winning, you know what I mean? And so that's what I foresee for this season. I think it's going to be, um, a very uh, entertaining season in 2020 just because of everything that's already happened and as you know, that's you know, that we still don't even know. Um, and I think it's going to be a great season, but I do think Tampa. Um, is the one team in the NFC South that the Saints have to watch
0: out for. All right, some bold predictions from Reggie Bush. Thanks again, man, for your time. We appreciate you coming on and maybe picking the Buccaneers in the NFC South, if I have that correct, but uh, against your your own former Saints. But we know you gotta run, Reg. We really appreciate the time. Thank you for agreeing that my college football cover was in fact better than yours. I also agree with that. We appreciate your views, Reg.
1: Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much. Fight on, buddy. And we'll talk to you soon.